Welcome to this edition of the Bob Jeswald Show. It's always good to have you here, and we're always looking for people that got great spirit. Um, perhaps it could be someone like you or someone you know that you can help out by listening to this podcast. Tonight's podcast guest is great. You're going to learn more about Michael Porter. He is the Columbus American Heart Association Heart of Columbus campaign a chair, and he's 41 years old. He's a great dad with four kids, family history of heart disease, and he is a fierce advocate for mental well-being. This is why you need to listen to this edition of the Bob Jeswald Show. Personal power, people positive, the community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. Welcome, everybody. I want to welcome Michael Porter, who's here in the house. And I got to tell you, Michael, we just brought him in the studio just like minutes ago, came in here. Somebody who's got heart disease, Dude, you look like you're in great shape. Yeah, I appreciate that. You do. You're, you're structured well. He's just, boom, he's cut. He, he looks great. 41 years old. Four kids will do that. Yeah, it's amazing. And and not, you know, and you, you have girl, boy, girl, boy, you're telling me. It's here. boy, boy, girl, boy. Boy, yeah. boy, 13, girl, boy. 13, 10, 8, and 6. Yeah, and the 8-year-old runs the household. And she runs the show. <laughs> we know that. I have all girls, so at least you got that balance. I don't know which ones are. I got a lot of emotion in the house. But I'm very sensitive to... Yeah. To the, to the women, and I do even on staff where I work here, so it's 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 similar. I have to tell you this. So yeah. when, when, when my first experiences with my daughter that I remember was Saturday morning, she gets up, sitting on the couch, watching television, probably watching college game day. Here she comes, just bawling, crying. Right. She sits down next to me. I'm like, sweetie, what's what's going on? <laughs> I don't I don't know. And so at that point, I knew I was I was outgunned. Yeah, you a lot of prayer. God help me with this. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Exactly. Right now, I do not. Yeah, Hail Mary, full grace. The that's Lord right. is with you, Michael. <laughs> that's, right. that's I mean, that's exactly where we got to be, especially with our kids today. And you're yeah. you're that's a great dad. You're you're a single dad. Yes. And and you know and and I've been through that route a little bit myself mm-hmm. in my life. I have an older daughter. Um, she's now thirty six. I got two granddaughters. I got an eight year old, a five year old. One's in third grade. One's in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And uh, two teenage girls at home. And the youngest one is the one that you said cracks whip your eight year old. But this my youngest one is the one who it's all about she she does not want help she doesn't want you know and i know she's trying to find herself and i i try to be <laughs> i try not to take a personal right you know she doesn't want me to give her a hug or a kiss or tell her i love her all that kind of stuff but she's yeah. miss independent but but it's interesting the dynamics of children mm-hmm. and and you know even parents but i know you're you're a good parent and uh knowing that the kids are there and you know and and you know you're raising them well and you That's you right. have to do it and it, this is the way our you know our world is today so yeah. you're a good dad i can tell thank you but a dad with heart disease, <laughs> we right. say in Italian, agida, you know, what would happen if you get a lot of heartburn or churn churn because <laughs> right. you're dealing with all these dynamics. But what what is it that you find, um, you know, just for your mental well-being, how do you get through it? And you can talk to us about any way you want to go with this. With your, When you discovered you had a heart disease, is this something that was uh, always yeah. ongoing? Well, so heart disease runs rampant in my family, um, pr- primarily on my father's side. And uh, he's had bypass surgery. His father, my grandfather, had bypass surgery. My mom's side is high blood pressure, diabetes. So I, I, I recognized early on, he was always telling me, you know, Michael, take care of yourself, exercise, eat well. And uh, what I learned uh, through my family history is just the mental side of it. I mean, it, physical is important, but how you see yourself, how you approach every day are the stresses of life, the stresses of family. Uh, the stresses of finances, everything that goes into it, that plays such a huge role and impact on your own 
uh, overall health, just mental health. So my faith, just praying and, and staying in relationship with the Lord, that helps minim- minimize a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, which does not help in the in the heart disease arena. And other than that, just staying active. Four kids will keep you active. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my job keeps me active. Yeah. I do some side business on the uh, landscaping. That keeps me outside, keeps me active. I'm in a softball league this year in the fall, so that's keeping me busy every Tuesday night and Sundays for Sunday evenings for practice. So just staying active and staying busy um, helps mental health and overall just helps heart health. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, as a chair of the, uh, of course, the heart chair, and we have the American Heart Association here. We, we used to do the heart ball or whatever this year. It's going to, you know, because of COVID during this time, if you listen mm-hmm. to this podcast, there's different ways of, of getting the message out and, and doing things online. But you you were chosen. Mm-hmm. You had this this the fierce advocate for mental well being, and I, yep. I want to delve into that a little bit more. And then I want to talk about your heart. I'm kind of going reverse here, mm-hmm. but th- that's fascinating because when you said it about your mental well being, because you don't think of it that way right away. You think of the like you said, we got to get outside, get some vitamin D. You're you're active, doing right. all the good things. I mean, mm-hmm. I look at you. You look. If I just say in a straight, say that you're in great shape. I mean, you look good. Your Thank coloring, you. everything looks good. At the, and you got your faith, which is important too, which yes. helps your mental well being. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a, I, you know, I totally am there with you on that. Um, there's nothing like having your faith. Couldn't get through half the stuff in this world today right, without man. it, and that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And. But being that fierce advocate, where did that come about? Is that something that you just came up with, or did somebody talk to you about no, it? No, I, I probably about, uh, I would say it's uh, 16 years ago. I went through, 16, 15, 16 years ago, I went through a bout of anxiety. Okay. Came out of nowhere. As a child growing up, teenager, never really, I never really probably knew what it was. I just thought it was kind of somewhat of a, as a normal uh, behavior experience as just growing up. And then 2005, 2006, started having some panic attacks and dealing with anxiety and talked with my father. And he revealed at that time that he had it and has always had it growing up. I thought, well, geez, would have loved if you would have told me yeah. this. So I'd have been Thanks, prepared Dad. for it. Yeah. yeah, give me a heads up. Yeah. But um, So at that time uh, where I was going to church, talking with my pastor, talking with some leadership in my life and really figuring out a way to address it. I uh, started taking some medicine, eventually weaned myself off, and I don't knock anybody who uses medicine to treat that. I just made a personal decision. If, I've, if I'm dealing with this without medicine, uh, I feel like, I, I mean, if I, I've gotten to this place without medicine, I can get through it through some behavioral changes, through some lifestyle changes, just personal decisions on a daily basis. I eventually weaned myself off medicine and started making and, and approaching these decisions that would sometimes be triggers and overwhelming and take a step back and, and look at them, uh, getting involved in some um, uh, leadership groups. And it's really helping me be able to approach these things that were triggers for me and, and, and wrap my arms around them and say, look, this is not, this is not impossible. I can get through this. And then from on a day-to-day basis, I, I just eventually, you know, a year goes by, two years goes by and I'm like, really not having any panic attacks, not really dealing with any anxiety. And here I am on the other side of it 15, 16 years later. Um, but I realized talking about it was half the battle. My dad has always said anything that we deal with in life, where we can just find someone to talk about it, minimizes it, makes it more manageable and more and, and much easier to deal with. And I think for men and men in, in particular, 
it's kind of taboo to talk about your feelings. It's kind of taboo to talk about those things. I was just going to say that in fairness of your dad, you know, I'm, you know, we're doing laughing and just thanks dad, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a guy thing. It's like, yeah. it's like my father-in-law use a military as an example that, you know, they never talk about PTSD or mm-hmm. shell shock. They, they, they say, you know, you got to man it up, suck it up. And, right. and, you know, maybe your dad, you know, being a dad didn't want to really share that with you at that mm-hmm. time. But I know that feeling. So let's talk about, it, cause I, I've yeah. actually experienced it a little bit in mm-hmm. life. Um, my family has it. My dad takes medicine. My sister, she's like a nervous wreck. But you're right, talking about it and then understanding the difference between that and a heart attack. Now, this is what fascinates me. When you're mm-hmm. telling me about this, there must be something in that feeling of anxiety that you, did you think you were having a heart attack. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and a panic attack or anytime you're dealing with anxiety, for me personally, you'll get heart palpitations. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, 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 not only your mind will start racing, your heart starts racing, your, your, your beats per minute start increasing. And that in itself, physically, will trigger a lot of things in your in your mind and your in your own mental health because you start panicking. Is is this a heart attack? Um, am I going to die? What's going to happen next? And it becomes overwhelming, and it's just a domino snowball effect of just chaos, and it's just not healthy. And that just wear and tears on your heart over time. And that's why I believe that there's a lot of things, a lot of great work American Heart is doing uh, in our community locally and on a national level. But I love the fact that they're latching on and seeing how important it is on the mental side to deal with that and get ahead of that. If you, be, now that the anxiety, was the heart issue before the anxiety, during or after? Uh, the anxiety, well, knowing that there's heart disease in my family and, and, I, and I run the risk of being very right. susceptible to it, uh, I knew that early on. It, I had my, I realized that I was having some anxiety issues prior to my dad even having bypass surgery. My dad had bypass surgery. I want to say it was 20, uh, 2010, I believe. And that came out of nowhere. They come through a, um, through a routine, um, colonoscopy found something on the, with this heart rate that triggered when you do a little bit more digging, do a little more digging, found out that the, what they call his widow maker, the artery that's called the widow maker was 96, 97% blocked. Just by getting a colonoscopy, just by a this colonoscopy. is why we should do, this is why you do should these go procedures. Because isn't that something yeah. how a wellness check yep. was able to identify your father mm-hmm. having that, that element? I'm the anesthesiologist or somebody monitoring or whoever it was, That's like you right. said, it's like, hey, this guy's heart rate is yeah. And here he's still alive today, still kicking, still eating right. donuts, probably when he shouldn't. But he, <laughs> but he, he has... Uh, you know his grandkids and gets to enjoy them still, and so it's um it's been it's been fantastic. How old is Dad? Uh, my dad is seventy uh, three years old. Okay, mom's still with us. Mom's still with us. Okay, good. And she has does she her high blood pressure? How's that? High go? blood pressure. She's doing better. Uh, she still battles with that, but she's doing better. She's um, actually finishing up her set, her other knee surgery, knee replacement surgery, so she can you know get out there and run laps and um, for her. keep up with the grandkids. That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So how about you? Have you mm-hmm. had your heart checked to make sure since you have a family I, history? I do. And yeah. it's great that you asked that because I, in the last two years, I have already, a few years ago, I wanted to get checked. I just felt like with family history, I need to go see doctor. I would go see Dr. Dara over at uh, Southeast. Yeah, SCC is great. Yeah, yep. they're great. Awesome. And so I went and saw him and uh, got checked, had a stress test uh, years ago. Everything came back great, came back positive. And then I decided last year, I'm going to go every single year. I just want to go see Dr. Dara just to get checked. Um, and I, so I started that last year. And uh, it's, it's just brings, it just brings a level of peace to your mind to say, okay, I've gotten it checked. So if he sees anything, we can catch it early. Uh, some things you just can't control. Uh, but, if you, but 
preventative uh, wellness visits and things like that. I've, I've always found benefit in it, so I've, I've, I'm take it very seriously. Shane uh, Darrow is great. Yeah, he he has quite a team over there too. They he do does. do a lot of. Uh, Probably one of the only the few here, I want to say, in this region that, mm-hmm. that does what he does, like Dr. Ibrahim and, um, you know, champions on staff. You got you got a pretty good lineup and a lot of new docs that came in that they all have a specialty in, yep. in their heart. So and, and I can say I had gone to him as well um, with something similar recently. And I think, again, it was stress in the job and life. There was just a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I, I was just felt like something's not right here, running and him palpitations. Yep. Worried about the widowmaker kind of thing, right? And uh, they did find when the heart rate's up at a certain level, I get a little bit of a, you know, like one one hundred fifty beats per minute goes flutters. He said, just keep an eye on it. But truly, I I've never you know there's nothing more else. But there's nothing more comforting to know that if if you have family history of something, right. anybody listening about anything, mm-hmm. and we're talking about heart health today to get that checked by somebody professional and you, then you can rule out something that kind of takes away that bit of anxiety too. That's right. And and that's what I did. And it sounds like that's what you did as well. You're Agreed. very proactive. Agreed. Don't that's be the right. stubborn guy. You're 41 years old and you would tell anybody else. Yeah. Stop it. Just go get checked. Go get checked. Yeah. Yeah. And get the, get the answer to the question. A lot of people just yeah. want to put it off. Men, we typically do that. We're like, I don't right. need to go to the doctor. Yeah, I'll right. be just fine. Right. And uh, that's not, that's just not a healthy way of living. And to me, just again, it goes back to that fact. It just eases your mind, eliminates and keeps any type of anxiety and um, any of that at bay. Yeah, that is, that's fabulous. That's really good. What do you think in, in your life, you know, you, you you have your kids. I mean, obviously relationships has something to you're, you know, single, you know, single dad now. Mm-hmm. Did that weigh in on anything recently or is it now you know how to cope with the situation? So when we have changes in our lives, could you say now, okay, I got this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, going through those changes, that was not easy. But being able to, be having gone through some things prior to all of that, it did prepare me and even prepares me for things that happen at work, things that happen with your children, my children, um, anything organizationally or just in relationships in general, prepares me to, gives me the ability not to panic, not to worry, not to be, and ask the questions. Because again, yeah. there's there's a lot of things that we don't, we don't like to, grab the bull by the horns, meet things head on and deal with it. And when you don't do that, it just lingers in your, in your mind and uh, you go to sleep with it. You wake up with it. It's just not healthy. Yeah. And it's, it's the worst thing when you start. Mm-hmm. And even when you, you're grinding your teeth at night. I mean, I yeah. found myself doing that a lot. That's right. I did the uh, uh, years ago and which is really interesting when you, and I, I know you brought the faith part of it up too, but I do remember Golly, this is in her early nineties and I was here. It was I was going through a divorce mm-hmm. and I had I was a young guy. My bills up to way up to the ceiling. Yep. Um I was just so I said I'm never gonna get out from under this. My wife today, I was dating mm-hmm. and my wife that I'm with today. And um I felt that. In fact, I, I could say this was here in the early nineties. I had left and I worked out west for many years and came back in 06 in this region here in the southeast, but I was out in Nevada, Arizona. And uh but before I got over there, I, I remember driving myself to St. Francis, which at that time, again, still is one of the only, you know, good heart hospitals That's in right. town. And I remember driving in here, it was an emergency room, they're checking the oxygen, doing this and that. And they said that first word, you have anxiety. <laughs> after after the doctor kind of right. did a full gas thing, blood thing, work up and night and yep. I have a heart attack. But I would have told you, oh, yeah. I, I felt like I was having a heart attack. 100%. Which, but I never knew what a heart attack was, but you feel, you know, the chest thing, the pressure felt like somebody sitting on your chest horrible feeling that's right losing you can't get your breath right mm-hmm. and it's it is abated but i do get it still 
But when I get it, it, it sometimes brought on. Do you find it brought on by particular like caffeine or foods or anything? I don't have triggers from caffeine or food. Okay. I think mine is just the daily grind of work or gotcha. anything else that that just uh, I find myself just mull, you know, mulling it over constantly, thinking about it, and then working myself up. I recognize it a lot early on, so I can deal with it. And I kind of mm-hmm. cut it off at the pass, but uh, but yeah, that mine is just more the day to day. Caffeine and stuff hasn't. That's uh, good. It's interesting. So yeah. far, so yeah. I can I can keep coffee in my diet right now. Good for you. Uh, but uh, no, none of the foods or anything, any drinks or anything like that, uh, stirred up for me. It's just really on the more of the day to day grind. And okay, so going back to uh, before I get to faith for a second too, I want to find out what. So what do so people are listening? I know it's the elephant in the room. Yeah, bearing the lead here, Bob. Mm-hmm. What do you do when I'm for going your, when your your day to day job? Oh, day to day. So yeah. So I am um, just just got past my twenty year anniversary working for Aflac. Wow, good. Yeah. And yes. then let people know Aflac. You'll see it on every. If anyone watches sports, any channel, you'll see the duck Aflac. Oh, yeah. so, yep. And uh, so I've I've worked with Aflac for twenty years. Started when I was you know twenty one years old, and uh, we just worked my way through the organization. More, more recently, went through worked for uh, a probably. One, the best leader I've ever worked for. Her name is Audrey Tillman. She's a general counsel there at Aflac. Worked for her a little over eight years and then moved into a leadership role, talking about stress mm-hmm. and sure, everything right. else. So worked and in, moved into a leadership role in their facilities, maintenance, and construction department, which my degrees in marketing, people ask me, why are you going over there? <laughs> but I wanted to, I wanted to, I had such great leadership in the um, the 19 years of and 20 years of, of being there. And I knew I was either going to go into marketing or I was, I wanted to replicate the leadership that I had experienced. I wanted to kind of pay that forward for people and give them that experience. So I wanted those, those are my two routes. Uh, I I didn't, I was not as hungry for the marketing side as I was just to be in leadership. Leadership opportunity came, I jumped on it, wasn't really concerned about where it was. I could learn the day to day. Sure. I wanted to be able to cut my teeth on, on on leading people and leading them the way that I believe was, we always call the Aflac way which is obviously very much ingrained in servant leadership and just pay that forward. And right. uh, because it's been, it's been such a blessing for me. I went to school, I uh, started in 2012 going back to school and get my degree and they afforded me the opportunity uh, through time and, and, and financially to go to school and get my, get my degree at CSU. Fantastic. And so why not put you, be in a position where I can help others do the same thing? So that's where I'm at now. Columbus State University, mm-hmm. and now you're the heart chair, which is another leadership role. That's right, and it's that that's wonderful. Yep. Um, when you found out about the heart chair position, mm-hmm. I, I know uh, the director Karen Preston probably yep. uh, approached you, heard that's about right. your thing. How did that come about? So, it, so one of our executive leaders had made mention to American Heart Association, said, "Look, you're looking for a heart chair. Ask Michael Porter." And which totally is, is, is very humbling, caught yeah. me off guard. I was not expecting that. So when Karen reached out, because I was doing my best to help them uh, uh, get in front of the right people at, at Aflac to get some sponsorship, because I believed in what they were doing. They were going, they were moving from this, um, uh, they were moving from just the heart ball mm-hmm. to doing some things, some in, uh, community impact programs that I, that I really believed that weren't just annual and then they would start over there looking for some longevity impact in our community. I thought, this is great. You, you guys need to get in front of Aflac and see how you can get Aflac involved. And that then eventually led into, hey, Michael, would you like to be chair for the year? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, sure, I guess. Yeah, let's make it happen. Let's have some fun. And during the time of a pandemic, I mean, right. hopefully we're, we're seeing it slowly. I just 
pray that it, this is 2022 is it. I mean, I just yeah. can't. I mean, I really think this thing started in the end of 19 last quarter. I just mm-hmm. know so many people that Agreed. were sick and had, yep. it had to. And um, and it still continues, unfortunately, during this podcast. Uh, you're listening to it. So we hopefully when you are, maybe this is a year later. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we're like, it's it's out of here. You know, it's not. It's never going to be gone. I don't believe that. But, yep. but at least to the point where it's manageable and, uh, you know, we can live a, a more of a normal life back again you know this will be this like the annual flu virus or something like that not mm-hmm. not to downplay those either right but a different topic different time but as far as your faith mm-hmm. that obviously weighs in a lot it, it does. how do you incorporate your faith into getting through these times for your well-being how do you how do you bring that into the equation if somebody's listening you're like eh, you know i go to church eh, you know i'm not really someone who you know, how, how does that work for you? Well, for, for me, you? for me, per, for, for me, I can, I can speak for me, for me personally, I, there's just no other, I mean, to me, it'd be very, a, a very bleak, hopeless life without, for me, just knowing that there's no, that there's no purpose that I'm just here from start to finish. And that's just about it. And there's nothing beyond this life. Um, I grew up in church. My dad was an associate pastor uh, so I'm what they call a, a PK, a yeah, pastor's kid. kid. And uh, <laughs> so right. I grew up in church. And, and so I grew up doing church for such a long time. It was just a yeah. part of my life and didn't really get involved in church. I was more long, I was more involved in the day-to-day operations. And uh, and then I found myself at some point realizing, wait, do I even have a relationship with the Lord? What What is that? Mm-hmm. Was I never, I never challenged it. And so I took a step back and, and, um, because I wanted that for me. I wanted, I saw others have relationships that I desired. I was so um, checking boxes oper- on the operation side of church, just from, from opening to close. And, and so I, I desired a better relationship to really understand what that relationship looks like and uh, started going up, go to, I go to Cascade Hills and, uh, and love the teaching that comes there from, from uh, Pastor Brent Purvis mm-hmm. and from Brother Bill Purvis. And it's just, it's helped me build that relationship that I desired, but as over my life has been kind of a momentum building. I believe God has a purpose and uh, he controls that. And uh, I, he, he knows the answers to the questions before I ask. He knows what I'm going to do today today. Um, and we just, we find our way through that, through prayer, through studying. And uh, it just helps, it helps me on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis realize there's something, there's someone, there's, there, there's a guy that has uh, much more control over this than I do. Sure. Gives me hope, gives me peace. Everybody always says, and I've been saying this lately, everybody's always looking for happiness. And I, and I, I, I understand that, but mine is I want peace because you can be happy and be at peace. You can be unhappy and be at peace. It's mm-hmm. not realistic every day to be happy. Right. You're going to have the highs and lows of life. Um, and, 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 but you can be at peace every day. And for me, Amen. faith yeah. brings that peace. Cast all your anxieties on him, on God. He'll t- he'll take care of them. And it's hard for a lot of us to realize. We want to be in control. Oh, 100%. And that's what causes a lot of these anxiety. Do that's you right. find, this is interesting, and I, I have Dylan here too. He's our podcast director. Dylan, chime in here for one minute. I want to, <laughs> The reason why I want to pull Dylan in here. All right, what's up? And Dylan has no, you know, he's getting nervous now. He goes, what's Bob going to ask me? My glasses on okay, <laughs> so Dylan is 20 years old, and he's a... Freshly. Yes, yeah, freshly. <laughs> so he just got over his 19th birthday. And uh, so Dylan is a Columbus State University student. Like you said, you graduated from Columbus State University, great college, and we do a lot of work with him. I find his generation especially, I see so many kids that have anxiety. Dylan, do you have anxiety? Um, 
Do you know what we're talking about? Yeah, I do. I actually have OCD, like okay. diagnosed. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I've, I think kind of what you were saying about the like the whole like medication earlier. Yeah. Um, I think the the main thing for me, medication like ruined me. Like yeah. that. I yeah. think it makes for some people it's great. You know. Yep. Um, I know a lot of people that take medication. Right. Um, but personally, for me, uh, it like it made everything worse. I'd get like these uh like these hot. Uh, I don't want to say hot flashes, but like I would get like this like this sensation that like runs over me, right. and I didn't realize like it was like partially an anxiety that was like being caused mm. by that. Right. Um. But so like it was like a lot for me. It was meditation. I think that helped me a lot. Yep. Um. Get over it. But I mean, yeah. I think especially now with COVID and like the internet and all this kind of stuff, it's just like especially the internet. The internet's whack. Like there's so much stuff on there oh, that man, just it's like exhausting. Yeah. There's it like exhausting. It's information overload. Literally. And I think one thing also. Um. I think music, this is not to like get off topic. I no, think that's okay. music that's labels, I think, do a horrible job nowadays. Because when I was a kid, I didn't know any any of the stuff that's like currently going on. Like, yeah. but nowadays, there's like these like 15 year olds singing songs like like WAP, which I'm not going to say what it stands for right now. Well, I'm Italian. Like, it means without papers. Right? <laughs> no, 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 not anymore. It's not. No, but it's. I think it's so crazy because yeah. it's like I don't know. I think these labels need to start doing a better job at censorship. But just in general, like we we're we're le- we're just throwing kids into like this like this digital age yeah. without preparing them. Like they yeah. have no idea what okay. they're getting themselves well, into. I think I'm gonna give you an analogy. So there's this. Um, he's a he's he's a um, He's a leadership coach. His name's Simon Sinek. And I'm going to paraphrase something that he said. He said, you know, when, when, as we get older, when we're 16 years old, you got to be 16 to get a driver's license. Sure. 18, you can smoke, you can vote. 21, you can drink. But at a young age, we hand a cell phone over to a kid and here's, and we're like, here's the keys of the world. Yeah. Figured out at 12. That's a great, figured out at a great, well, this is why I wanted to bring him in here. This yeah. is, this is good. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's so much information overload yeah. and it, and it does. And, and Dylan was saying too, you're, you're, you're over, these kids have it as such a babies now. Right. They're, they're going right this through. I mean, cause they're going online. My kids, you can't even get their faces away from it. at least you and I are having eye contact still. Thank yep. God. Cause you're 41 and, and Dylan does too. And mm-hmm. respect for Dylan. But my, my kids coming <laughs> into teenagers today mm-hmm. of 2021, 2022, it's really hard to make eye contact. And here's another yeah. thing that gives me a little stress. I'm an older dad. I'm 56 years old. Mm-hmm. And in my well-being is that, you know, the place I come from, things I say, like to my one daughter, the younger one, I was telling the feistier one, I say, I go, you're going to have your girlfriend come over? Dad, that's just weird and creepy. What do you mean that's weird and creepy? Right. Because she's not a girlfriend. They'd rather FaceTime. Okay. She's <laughs> a friend. She's a friend. She she's also a girl. Girl, right. What is wrong with that? Right. But right away, it's implying that it's, 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 a, it's you know, it's, it's a gay relationship or something. Not right. that there's anything wrong with it is, right. you know, you know, Seinfeld, Seinfeld said, yeah. yeah, not that there's anything wrong with it, <laughs> but it's, it's just that she right away. That's that generational gap. Yeah. Um, it seems like anything I say or do, it gets, it gets misconstrued, taken, misconstrued and, yeah. and they don't have the same context. When we read certain things, it's mm-hmm. read differently. And it, and that's the I mean that's the that's a, that's a stress for me and I think wow they're going to be our future they're going to be helping us out so I'm really trying my yeah. best to paint a picture for them and doing it right. and you as a dad with four kids yeah they don't spend a lot of time in front of the screen okay tell I'm us a little how, different and okay I'm, I'm, I'm loving that their mother we 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 are aligned on that that they shouldn't spend a lot of time a lot of screen time now they do at times. With me, we'll watch some funny things on YouTube, on the on the TV, things that are, right. that are clean and healthy, adventurous, things that, that would stimulate their mind and creativity. Uh, but as far as just being plugged in, 
I don't can't tell you when my oldest is going to get a cell phone. I don't know when. I love uh, it. Probably eventually when he is away from us continuously. He's away from his mom, away from me, and he's with his with his um, with his friends. But even in that, I mean, it's there's a lot of apps, there's a lot of security to lock that phone down because yeah. uh, that stuff just robs them of their youth. I was still I'm probably the tail end of a generation that was used to Saturday mornings, bowl of cereal watch some cartoons you were, yes. and then get on our bikes and you wouldn't see me again until, until, uh, it, the, the streetlights come on. It was time for supper. Uh, but outside of that, we just, we, we ate at a friend's house for lunch if we ate at all. But other than that, we were just outside for the rest of the day. And my kids now they get, they've got to do some of that, mm-hmm. but it's still an experience lost on so many generations to understand that freedom of just being outside and being away from, uh, a, a lesser technology dominant environment. I mean, we had Nintendo, we had yeah. Sega growing up. We played it for a little bit, but we wanted to go outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're from the eighties kid. You're, you grew up, you know, and so it's, I remember that. I remember schoolhouse rock, you yeah. know, and I'm 56, but mm-hmm. I watched that and there was a lot of replays back and you got into the eighties and that, and, and it was a little different. And my mm-hmm. oldest, there's a difference to my 80, uh, 1986 daughter, yeah, and today, you know, in that millennial generation, it gets such a bad rap all the right. time. You know, like Dylan, on the other hand, he's got this, you know, uh, his approach is very good. Like with this, he created this, helped create this podcast studio mm-hmm. to help set it up. He knows how to produce all this stuff. He gets all that, and I defer to him on all that stuff. Um, but then we get a generation, there, there's some good stuff in that, but we have to be able to make sure we know when to put it down. Literally, right. when do we turn yeah. it off? Right. Or in your case, even controlling to the point where, do they really need the phone? Although the school's encourage it they, they want them to learn because they know this is the future but right. there's a time and place for it is what I, I guess i'm getting at and the time and place you know for you you know when you're going through all that with with the kids and trying to control all this and and knowing that why do we let outside distractions comes with faith right and um i like that because i i mean i i'm totally with you I, people ask how do i do what i'm doing it's because i ask that prayer every morning so lord just give me the strength i always want to do your will first That's be right. on my will i do that and, and this is not touting me on it, and you don't really share, you're not supposed to share what you do for others in this net. But but I had a call from a woman, and there's times that I can do things for her, and if I can, mm-hmm. went over and picked her up some groceries. She paid me. I didn't really care if she did or not, but she made a point to and she gave me more than I was supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And if, if it's a love offering, I'm not, I'm not supposed to turn away. I have a problem with that because yeah. that's why I was brought up. I was like, no, 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 take that extra. I didn't do this to get right. money. I, right. I just, if you want, even for the cash for the for the, the groceries. But she, she, she lost her fa- her son, or excuse me, her son and her husband and, and just a lot of tragedy in her life. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, under, I feel her, you know. Um, but you should give back a little mm-hmm. bit and, and, and find ways of doing that. It's good for the soul. Yeah. It's good for the heart. It really, honestly, it's, there's it's heart nothing healthy. that... That feels better when you do for something for someone and you're not doing it for anything in return other than just knowing, recognizing, hey, I was there at one time or I may be in that position at some point. And I certainly would. I go back to this thing that hung in my hallway as a kid growing up and it was the golden rule. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it every single day. Didn't think much of it as a kid, but obviously growing up and as adult and having children and just dealing with people and all the personalities you deal with in, in, in your walk in, in your walk in this this wonderful thing called life, that just treating people the way you want to be treated fundamentally would solve a lot of problems Witness. internally yeah. and in ourselves and externally in our relationships. Why do you think we take things personal sometimes? You know, and you you just can't help it, despite what everybody says. You know, yeah. you, you know, we're all human. We're still flesh, and we still make you know. We, 
fall off the wagon, so to speak. And mm-hmm. we sometimes go, oh, why did I digress? Like that? Because I know this isn't the right way. Yeah. But w- what is it that, even with any of us, that mm-hmm. makes us get back to that place? We, we seem like we're right on the perfect track. Mm-hmm. We're moving forward, full speed ahead. And then all of a sudden it derails temporarily. And we yeah. get right back on. That derailment, what gets us back on track? What gets us back on track? Yeah. It, it, I think what gets us back on track is just recognizing that we're off and recognizing where we desire and want to be. Uh, we, we're never, I don't think in this life, we're never in a place where, we, where we've arrived and we've hit that plateau and there's nowhere else to go. I think we're constantly growing. Uh, we're constantly falling off or, or, or skinning our knees up and having to get up, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and keep yeah. moving. I think that's what's great. I would tell my kids all the time, I said, look, you're going to fail. I mean, they. Mm-hmm. I've got one. My ten-year-old plays flag football. My six-year-old just started so- soccer this year. I'm not the dad that's yelling and trying to coach them from the stands. Right. I just want them to have fun. I mean, they're they're going to learn so much from the team dynamic. Um, and I also say it's not it's not time to coach when the game started. You had plenty of time to do that prior to the game. And that's and, good. That's and, a good point. It's a good lesson. That yeah. Is parents, a good parent, coaches, coach. Yeah. And let the coaches do their job. <laughs> but I, I think that just enjoying uh, this, this walk of life and failing because you really don't know what success looks like right. until you fail and you're never going to learn unless you do and embracing that. And I had to learn that early on. I think that's one of the things that I dealt with, with anxiety is just, you know, it's okay to mess up. It's okay mm-hmm. not to have all the answers. It's okay. At the point where you're, you're, you're kind of confused and you're unsure what's going to happen tomorrow to say, you know what, God, I trust you today. Uh, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's in your hands and, uh, and be at peace with that. I love it. It's spoken like a true PK. That's right. Preacher's kid. Right? That's, that's right. Point. No, seriously. And that's how it's very profound, but it's, it's true. And you could see how you, that resonates through your dad. A lot of your, your upbringing certainly came that way. Mm-hmm. If when, let me, when you found out about, you know, you know about your mom, see my mom has clitoral heart disease. Mm-hmm. She has high blood pressure. We got diabetes on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, not till recently that he's in his, uh, he got in his late seventies and now he's in, you know, he's 80 to be mm-hmm. um, during this podcast. My mom's already 80, but they, they seem to be, you know, you get older, you're worried. They're worried about themselves. They're worried yeah. about this, that, and the other. And they go to the doctor like constantly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always a doctor's point when you call them. I'm busy. Right. I'm busy. They're retired, but I'm busy. I got to go to the doctor. I got to do this. I got to right. go to the doctor. So, you know, I remember my dad when he wasn't like that, he, whether he's, his mortality is coming closer and closer and he, mm-hmm. he realizes that, you know, hey, I, I, I want to be here a little longer and enjoy it. But when he was younger, I remember he poo-poo stuff. Hey, you worry about it too much. Right. What, what, what do you mean you're, you take that, still, those, you know, supplements, Bob. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just take a clove of garlic. You don't need to take garlic. Right. You know, you know I mean, he would just make little jokes. But now it's like, oh, my, you know, yeah. he's looking at it now. I look at that, too. You look at your parents a lot because kids were the best role model for our kids mm-hmm. so i look up at my parents and i'm always like thinking i'm trying to do different i don't want to be exactly like them i want to do something different did you ever find yourself that way or you do you take it where i'm not going to be like my parents or i want to be like them in certain ways but yet i want to scale back a little bit and do something that might be a little bit more beneficial for my well-being yeah i, I looked at my parents and realized um i think that every generation should get better does it do we i mean that's that's left for for history to 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 tell that story but as pa- as a parent uh, you should always want your kid to to get it right and get it just you know, a little bit better than you. And the, and then their kids will do the same and just get better. Uh, so I looked at my parents and looked at where they were and, and, and said, you know, they did a lot of things right. And they did some things they probably wish they could do differently. And so um, 
I've, I've looked at and said, okay, what can I glean from them? The good and the bad. And, and that's what I love about my parents. They're very transparent. Um, growing up and with, you know, huge respect for my parents and now almost like best friends with them and love spending time with them, but trying to learn from them the things that I would have, if they could, if they could redo it all, what would they have done differently? Uh, so it's just staying active and, and trying to eat better. And I don't eat perfectly, but I am much more mindful, I believe, at 41 than they probably were at 41. Sure, it's a lot different. We look different now. You know, when yeah. you look at old pictures of people, you're like, God, he looks so much older. Yeah, they're they're, they're, oh, they're 28. 28 years oh, old. And you're like, gosh. wait, they look like they're 40. They're like right. back then, but our 40s now look like when they were in their 20s. That's you know, right. We look like we're 20s at 40, but when they were 20, they look like they were in their 40s. Yeah, so I think that's that's just the thing that I've I've, I've been more tentative of is is – learning from them the things that they say, hey, look, my dad's always said, look, do this now. Don't wait till you're my age because it's coming. Uh, don't wait till then to start making those changes. That makes sense. And it makes really good sense. Do you do you think that your mom, you know, I was going to say, especially like your mom, do you favor your mom or do you favor your dad? More? I'm a dad. I'm the I'm, I'm oldest of three boys, and I, I've always grew up as, dad, as a dad's boy. I mean, we, we were close to mom. Mom loved us. She, she kept us straight, but our dad was, um, he, to me, he was, he was my hero. If she yeah. had three boys, is it fair to say that mom still ruled the roost? Yeah, she runs a show. She runs a show. Yeah. Usually with boys, especially. Yeah, she has to. We were we were a hot mess. Is that tough? Now, I don't want to get too personal if yeah. I am, because I'm thinking, because I know people in my family are like that, too. My wife, and she's all girls. There are four mm-hmm. girls. Now, it can work out. Let me just use her as an example. There's four women. Command Sergeant Major, wife. Yep. He is a Ranger Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He had passed my father in law, had passed recently. But mom's 80, uh, stepmom, or not stepmom, my mother in law, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And mother in law is going to be 89. Mm-hmm. And the girls, all four of them are strong. Yeah. In that respect, they, they, because mom raised the house, they were, she was in charge the whole time. Yeah. But you notice with boys too, when a mother has all boys, now my daughter, her husband, two, two sons, the mother's very strong in the family. It, that same thing. So when the wife comes in, there's a, sometimes a little friction. It's like, mm-hmm. can't you just tell your mom to let me you know? Because she wants to still be in control. Do you, oh yeah. Do, have you found that to be kind of an oh, issue? Oh yeah. I'm 41 years old, and my yeah. mom still when I when I leave, she's like, wear your seatbelt. Yeah. Uh, text me when you get yeah. home. I'm, I'm 41 years yeah. old, mom. I don't. I'm, I'm. I think I got this under control. Yeah. But she's very much. I mean, she's she's just to me. I always say she's just a typical mama. My dad has got a, just a fantastic sense of humor. He's very laid back, very sarcastic. So that was our home, and we, she was constantly just chasing after us. We would have been just a, 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 a moving train wreck had it not been for her. Yeah. With my dad, basically, she always said she was raising four boys. Yeah. Three she boys and her, her husband, <laughs> my dad. And so, yeah. But it was always That's entertaining. Great. Always great. always something fun going on at the house, at the porterhouse. Yeah, I love it. Every, yeah, I love it. Then uh, you got teased, I'm sure, like porterhouse steak. You ever get that oh, one all the time? Oh, yeah, all, yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, my yeah, dad teased me yeah. constantly. So where did Porter, I'm wondering now, did I say yeah. that, is Porter, was it a porter family that owned cattle or something and had uh i have no idea <laughs> it became my, so a porterhouse steak or my dad's yeah. a midwest kid from illinois my yeah because i was gonna ask you where you're from your accent sounds like midwest yeah so my dad's yeah. from illinois my mom's from columbus georgia my grandfather my, my dad's father's ex-marine uh my grandfather on my, my maternal grandfather he retired from fort benning uh from the army they met in miami which oh, my dad and my mom is not from down there but they met, got married, had me, realized Miami was not the place to raise kids, moved back up here to uh, to Columbus where my mom's family's from, 
So this is home. I mean, That's I've been here. I'm 41. I've been here 39, 40 years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's not too many people from this region. If anyone knows where we are, we're Fort Benning is, if you look at a map is, you know, about hundred, maybe hundred miles South of Atlanta mm-hmm. and uh, Columbus, Georgia is right. Is the city right next to it. The big city in Phoenix yep. city, right across the river and uh, in Alabama. But what a, what an interesting story that yeah. is. It's funny because you have the accent, like you're from the Midwest. Like if you told me, hey, Bob, I grew up in Chicago. I'd say, oh, okay, I believe it. <laughs> I'm from Buffalo originally, but, right. you know, I, can, but I can hear it. But th- that's, that's really neat. Did Dad practice, did he, was he a pastor here? I would he assume was. he was. That's probably. where my mom, he always yeah. says that, uh, you know, good Christian, Southern Christian girl saved him and, and brought him up here to Columbus. <laughs> and, uh, and they found a local church here that, they, that um, he, they joined and he became an associate pastor. And uh, he's just, it, it changed his life. He was, he will, he will tell you, he was not going down the right road when he met my mom uh, down in Miami. And, uh, but met my mom by the grace of God and, and his life took a 180. And uh, the man he is today is, is definitely a man that I just, I love and admire and, um, and, and love talking to daily. I talk yeah. to him every day. Yeah, that's that's a big, that's great. It's a fantastic relationship. Mm-hmm. Everybody has something different, but that's, that's really nice to hear that. Yep. So all that being said, somebody would say, geez, Michael Porter, you have a really good sound foundation. Mm-hmm. The rock, the foundation's nice and steady. Your family mm-hmm. it sounds like you grew up that way. Mm-hmm. Your, your brothers, uh, I didn't get into that too much, but some you all get along too. We do. Well. I've got I've yeah. got a brother Ryan who's seventeen months younger than me. Okay, well, close. I got a brother Timothy yeah. who's close in age. fifteen years younger than me. <clears throat> well, that's a huge disparity. Yeah. yeah, my parents just decided, hey, let's let's just uh, one more. Why not? Yeah. So the two older ones are the ones that did you guys find fighting a lot or something? we did growing up. I mean, we yeah. were at each other's thro- at each other's necks all the time growing up. Typical seventeen months apart just fighting all the time. And then you get to be teenagers and one, one's wanting to grow up faster than the other. And the other sure. one's like, why are you leaving me behind? I thought we were going to play basketball and I'm yeah. wanting to go off and do my own thing. But I found as we gotten older as adults, uh, a lot better relationship Good. and a lot, a lot closer. And I, and I love, I love my brothers. There's, I mean, they called me at 3 PM or 3 AM. I'd stop what I'm doing and do whatever I have to do to, to help them. I mean, they're, they're, they're great men. A lot of people listening would be or watching. This is a video podcast too for, on wrbl.com, but uh, they're going to be saying, "God, man, this guy has got it all." That you I mean he, he didn't grow up from abusive parents, mm-hmm. you, you know, none of that kind of stuff. Um, how did you get? Why do you think the anxiety came came about with you? Besides, I know you said because of the family history of heart disease and yeah. all that, but what what do you think triggered it? I'm trying to. I think it comes, I mean, honestly, it's not just it, being fully transparent, yeah. I think it comes from how you're raised. I mean, we, we, uh, I mean, not to get too far, don't want to throw anybody on the bus, but yeah. you know, you get, you grow up as a child and you, and you're, 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 you're kept. My mom was a stay at home mom. So she, you know, we went to school, she dropped us off. We got out of school. She was right there. And I think just in your environments of how you grow is how you kind of evolve. Um, you know, it's it, back in the eighties. It's funny. I, I watch a comedian, uh, name his name is Nate Bergatzi, and he does a bit about you know in the eighties is you know that's when a lot of kidnappings right. were happening for sure. kids. Right. So when your kids would go outside, you, you know moms and, and and dads would be really close to keeping your kids sure. close. Uh, so that environment of just growing up as kids and always there's being that sense of worry and and, and concern of what's going to happen next. And you, I mean, I have four kids. You you yeah, want right. to protect them. You're always worried about what's going to happen to them and right. making sure that they're always in the safest environment possible. I think we're a product of our environment. You know, I can't sit here and pinpoint one experience. I just think over time, whether it's your how your, your your home life or your school life or your social life, all that tends to um, evolve or or lend to 
how we react. Now, this, the, the anecdote for that and, the, and, the, and the, the medicine for that is different for a lot of people. For me, like we talked about, yeah. is faith, is relationships, um, and then really coming, you know, you know, finding what those things are and hitting them head on so that they don't just dominate my life on a daily basis. I mean, yeah, and not everybody, you know, because somebody may say, geez, people who think somebody's got the world, you know, mm-hmm. you've got the greatest household, you can hit a buddy, you know, I'll, well, you're being transparent, I'll be transparent. I, great, you know, my mom raised me. She I never. You know, she always thinks I don't give her enough credit. Mm-hmm. She takes everything very personal. Yeah. <laughs> but I love her, and she's done, you know, she's given me all the foundation, everything I've done. She's always was encouraging, mm-hmm. always told us you do a good job, she, always there, even to this day. She loves it. She always calls you, do great. I love watching your weather. I do, you know, and sometimes I'm like, God, I just don't want to hear it. I know, Mom, you're just saying it because you're right. going to say it, as you yeah. said, put your seatbelt on. Yep. Um, my dad too, the other way, similar to that too, my dad's more self-centered. He would admit that he's, mm-hmm. he always was, um, my parents got divorced, but, but it was, there's some tumultuous times in there. There's, mm-hmm. there's a little fit. There was some physical stuff that I had witnessed as a kid. Um, you know, we never, we, I never kept it in, but there was, you know, a lot of, you know, I don't know if it's, I hate to say it, the stereotypical Italian family it's, you would see yeah. on TV and movies and that was pretty much my family. So yeah. very high strung, where right. you're hard on your sleeve, oh, yeah. bombastic, demonstrative, passionate. and the next passionate, the whole the whole thing. So mm-hmm. when when I uh, married my first wife out of high school, literally mm-hmm. we were childhood sweethearts and that, she came from a very conservative German family, very tight within, would even look at me and at the dinner table and say, oh, Jesus, so, you know, like, wow, oh, I can't believe you just said that. You know, right. the very, you know, and I would make jokes about that right? because it was so hard for me to understand. But there was a different dynamic there, and that's why and there was other things, but there was, that's one of the reasons why I didn't connect. So mm-hmm. when I met my wife here, Columbus, George, she's also from from here. Military, she's been all around, but this is always her home base. Grew up here, born here, and you know, and all that good stuff. But when I met her, she had a similar, we had a lot of similar backgrounds. So her mom had a Sicilian background, like my mom's side of the family. My dad's Italian, but her dad was French-Canadian. He was an Army guy. Um, I, I was out of her norm. That, okay. that She didn't date guys like me. Yeah. But although she had her mom, there were some similarities she saw in my mom with her mom, but she, that's all she knew from a, like that Italian culture. Right. Because she was military. She was removed from her other cousins and family growing up, so she didn't was really never close to them. Yeah. So when I brought it in there, I, I got along very quickly with her mother. I mean, I connected with her because it felt like family. I mean, mm-hmm. she was like my mom, and in many ways she is, and and so it was very comfortable. Her dad, on the other hand, gave me that eye and that look. You know, says this guy for real. But we <laughs> ended up becoming great. You know, it, and nothing against my dad. I mean, even if you ever listen to this, but you know, my dad. You know, we weren't that close because for. Divorced from nine years old. Yeah. He, I'd see him once a year in the same right. town. Not, not mad at We've talked about it. Yep. And like you said, yep. um, and getting to my point, all those things in life, everybody has good and bad, different things going on. But I never cared for my birthday at nine years old. I, I just, it, there were some things I saw. The really? parents got divorced. It got real ugly. And that was my stomach would get really, it seemed like once a year would act up. And psychologically, yeah. I think it came with that. I never went to counseling, mm-hmm. but I did spiritual counseling, like you yeah. said. And I know even at a year, early age, I'm a Catholic kid growing up, a lot of traditions and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I've been exposed to a lot of people here in the Deep South. I think that's why I was brought back down here to see how other people get closer to God or how they celebrate, that kind of thing. And through that celebration or different ways of doing it, you find different ways to communicate and, and, and sort things out mm-hmm. and, and take it away. And that makes a big difference. But but that could have been some anxiety. You, you repeat a lot of things that you saw you as a kid. 
Um, I can look at friends of mine that had the best parents in the world and they got on drugs. Like, how in the heck did that happen? When right. the parents were anti, they were fantastic. They raised, they didn't do anything wrong. So it's not necessarily the parents. Right. Sometimes we want to blame our parents to a point, but then we also are grown up and we have to look in the mirror and say, got to make, yeah, we're an adult. We, we're an adult now. It's time to you know, right. suck it up, buttercup, and, and go on. Or what's interesting, you see kids who repeat they say they yeah. grow up, you grow up saying, I'm never going to be like my dad. I'm never going to be like my mom. Just, yeah. And then 20, 30 years down the road, you're like, <laughs> you look in the mirror, you're like, I'm saying and doing the same things my mom or dad said. And I'm, I swore I would never be that yeah. way. Yeah. How did that happen? It's just right. crazy. That's That's amazing. But I, I, you know, getting back to your approach to it, I think is just wonderful. I, mm-hmm. I think especially your way of delivering that message about keeping focus and, 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 and keeping the anxiety levels down, doing things to keep the ticker yeah, happy. And right. you're right. When you lower blood pressure, when you're feeling good, mm-hmm. you, you know, eating better, you know, you know, we all do. We, we, you know, we once in a while have a piece of pizza, you know, right. something like that, yep. but maybe an ice cream cone. But, um, but you also have a, a great way of looking at different methods to bring in your life mm-hmm. to, to sustain this and be a good dad and, and, and do all these things that keep you feeling good and That's tight. Right. So, you know, being uh, the chair of the, of the heart, you know, the heart uh, ball, I guess, am I saying the chair, chair, oh, am I messing this yeah, up here? Yeah, chair of heart, heart, heart of Columbus. Heart of Columbus. The, the heart ball, which and will take place, ball. which will take, but we didn't have it last year, if you right. remember, yes. because of COVID. Right. But Melody Trimble, CEO at St. Francis, did a fantastic job last year in the midst of just, uh, uh, just, um, uh, terrain that has not been ex- experienced as a chair for the hardball. So she she navigated through that, did a great job, raised a lot of money for AHA, uh, and did some great work with a lot of limited resources. And as a CEO of a hospital yeah. in the During middle COVID. of COVID, yeah, go I figure. Mean, come on, I mean, yeah. so she she deserves a standing ovation for that. But we will we our plan is to have a hardball uh, again and start it back next April. I mean, really, that's going to be the kind of the capstone mm-hmm. of all the things we're wanting to accomplish this year. And we're just trying to, you know, honestly, again, bring awareness, uh, get people involved on either on a personal level, donors, uh, sponsors, because AHA is doing a lot of things, a lot of great things on a national level, doing a lot of great things on a community level as well. And so anything we can do to bring awareness to that, because there's a lot of people on the health equity side, there's a lot of people that don't have the parents or don't have the resources or don't have access the things that, that some of us have. And, and American Heart has recognized that and have trying to get resources into the hands of, of, of those who are less fortunate, don't have access to it, so that they can, again, start start moving in the right direction, take care of their health, take care of their heart. Because the, the money raised and, and, and the silent auctions that are also one way to get mm-hmm. money, when we had the, of course, the heart balls before COVID, you had right. dinner plates and you'd pay so much per plate and then you'd have the silent auction. But, you know, people are still very generous in donating. Like you said, Melanie Trimble from uh, St. Francis CEO did a good job of that last year. Mm-hmm. Now it's your turn. And and I think with your your breadth of, uh, you know, fr- freshness and, 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 you know, for a younger perspective, uh, I'm still calling you younger because, you know, 41 years <laughs> I'll old. I'll take it. Yeah, hey, I'll why not? Take yeah, it. take it. And, and uh, you know, you got just enough gray to give you that distinguished look. And right, <laughs> it looks right. good, uh, you know, for credibility, right? But but you've you really bring in bring in that. And I think that's really important for people to see that, but th- that education and awareness is a key component mm-hmm. and, and having somebody who is going to speak from the heart, no pun intended, but like yourself, mm-hmm. could you give us a glimpse of like maybe what you, what you want to say, like say if this was the night and you're addressing everybody, whether, and I assume this year, of course, 20, this is 2021, you'll be doing this by uh still going to do it through uh, like 
the web or through Facebook or the social media. The or through, or the... The, the fundraising. The fundraising, well, I mean, the fundraising will be, we're going to reach out to, we've got a, I've got an ELT, which is, which is an executive leadership team, and we will, we will leverage those networks and reach out to those community, um, the, the corporate sponsors, and, 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 and say, hey, look, this is where we need your help. We're working directly right now with Victory Mission and Mercy Med, providing heart blood, uh, blood pressure cuffs, so that we can provide those into the community, so people again can just just that's as right. simple as checking their blood pressure. Because if they find something strange or odd, yeah. they can say, "Hey, look, you I need to check up." Check. That's yeah. right. So, uh, knowledge is power. Give them the, give them the ability to 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 find that knowledge about their own health. And so we're doing, but you know that costs money to do those things. That costs money to right. get that equipment and to get that in the hands of those who need it. And so um, organizations like Mercy Med, Victory Mission, uh, we're partnering with. And uh, in order to do that, again, like I said, it takes money, it takes sponsorship. So we're reaching out to the uh, the the uh, the Aflacs and the Tesises and the and the and the, the St. Francis of the world to help us out with that. And we'll be doing that through the, throughout the year. There's Giving Tuesday that's going to come up in November. There'll be a ton of information that comes out about that. Uh, we've got the Heart Raffle through Mercedes Benz. Oh yes, uh, that's part, coming I'm up first. Excited about that. That's yes. right. So we're uh, uh, Tiffany Butterfield and that She's team great, do, yeah. do, do, do just fantastic work, and I'm excited to be a part of that. that that's coming up, and then really the heart the heart ball. Uh, a lot of times is a great time for the silent auction. It's a great time to raise money, and I look forward to that. But I've challenged our, our executive leadership team is look, I want that to be set aside as a celebration and a time just to be able to look and then just be able to publicize and communicate what all we've done from today until April and say, this is a time to celebrate. This is a time to just have a good, good old fashioned party and celebrate our accomplishments and everything that we've done for 2022. And, and be able to turn the keys over to someone else for 2023. That's awesome. So this will be we're focused now on 2022. That would make sense, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That that yeah, because we're already we're already past it. I mean, and the year is almost coming up at 21 during this podcast. So you, we we got a lot of good things ahead, yep. which is great. And, and you mentioned a few of those things. I know um, you know the Mercedes Benz of Columbus it gets behind it in as many years 1920. The year of Heart Association 19. I should know how many. How many raffle tickets did we sell? 1929? 1,929? I can't remember. Whatever. The year yeah. American Heart Association started, those tickets is a reverse raffle. And you could you win a Mercedes-Benz of your dreams. You just pay the taxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you can use the value up to $50,000 and put it towards another bigger car. G-Wagon. Like G-Wagon or something. Why not? Right. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> rough you know, life. Rough, yeah, it's real rough. You don't, yeah. You're only talking $100,000, you know, $150,000 <laughs> vehicle here. But it's, but it's, but it's uh, really cool stuff to think how people in the community – really step up. And I think that in itself really speaks volumes. It's really good. Those are the promises and the things when people think it's not all good. There's yeah. a lot of good going oh, on. Oh, man. Columbus a lot of good is going a, on. Columbus is, is such a giving community. And you've yeah. been here long yeah. enough to yes. know there are so yeah. many people that step up to the plate and uh, do whatever's needed for others and really do it and don't really ask for anything returned. They don't need their yeah. name etched yeah. in stone or mom yeah. and erected, erected in their honor. Yeah, They just... They just want to help others, and I and I love that about this community, and uh, so I'm loving the opportunity to do this and see what see what all we can accomplish this year. I'm excited. I think you're a perfect guy for this, Michael Porter. Thank this, you. This is really good stuff. Yeah. And I, I think for just before we wrap things up, I wanted to tell you one more thing. Again, it's it's amazing to see somebody with that you know that approach, being really level headed and mm-hmm. and really sharing you know this great great moment with everybody and, and anybody out there listening that. 
you know, is dealing with some mental, you know, feeling anguish or anxiety, what, the one last thing you would say to them, what, what would you tell them? Who should they reach out to? You know, well, you need to find somebody that you trust. And I, I've always, always give the analogy, you know, as, as parents, you're always bombarding with your kids with information to prepare them for life. And you tell them over and over and over again, sometimes it doesn't seem like it works. Yeah. And then they meet a coach or a teacher and suddenly it clicks. So you just got to find that person that you trust. So you allow that you trust to speak into your life, find a pastor, find a friend, find um, someone that, you know, some, some leader at work that that's, that's wise, that's mature. They can speak into your life and listen and speak from experience, speak from a heart of love that cares for you, uh, that doesn't want to tell you what you want to hear, but tells you what you need to hear. And my dad has always told me, he said, Michael, you know, uh, the things that you face can't eat you. And, and, and he always said that repetitively uh, to, to, to me and my brothers and the things that we face. And I've always remembered that is, you know, what I'm dealing with today can't eat me. Um, That's right. I, so, I love that. So, so don't, don't, don't be worried about it. And it's in your, it, it, you'll either, it'll either work out or it won't. Got to move on. Don't bite off more than you can chew, but that's the things right. in life can't eat you. Can't I, eat you. I, I love it. That, I'm right. gonna. Re, I gotta remember that. That's yeah. that's really good. And you said the heart of the things that speak with you, and you. It's all about the heart, and that's what we're talking about today. That's right, Michael Porter. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bob, for having you, me. I appreciate it. This has been an honor. This yeah, has been. Thank you so it's much. been an honor that you would do this for us. And anybody at home that would like more information on us, we have it right here. We're going to direct you to everything here at Michael Porter. You can see it right here. And again. You know, if you want to hear this episode, we have more every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or just Eastern Time, we'll do that. And you can catch all these wherever you get your podcast. You could get it through Spotify, Audible, and um, we're talking about, not Audible, excuse me, Spotify, uh, and we're talking about iHeart and Apple. Apple, Apple, iHeart, yeah. Apple that's the yes. Apple, yeah. So Apple and Spotify and iHeart. And we can also get it at WRBL.com, too, as we just told you, the podcast Play Zone. You can catch us on social media accounts on Twitter, B. WRBL, Bob Jeswell WRBL, Facebook, and on Instagram, B. WRBL. But put that phone down, will you? Too much of this is not a good thing. <laughs> you know, we got to know when to put those electronics down. Reduce anxiety today. And join us whenever you can. But remember, always take it off of thyself. Like Michael said, when you give it back, boy, good things come to you. It's, it's nourishing. It's good for the heart. It's good for the soul. It's good stuff. Thank you, everybody. Go ahead. You can say one thing. Yeah, real quick. Uh, Benjamin, Levi, Suzanne, and Asher, that's my four kids. If yes. you listen to this, get to bed. Ah! <laughs> it's a Wednesday night. That's right. Do you know where your children are? Remember the 11 o'clock news <laughs> back in the 7 a.m.?